when we looked at it, it all came down to what the teachers were doing, what these strategies were. And thinking about the purpose of career development events, what really came down and what these teachers were really emphasizing were instructional strategies. Welcome to Al Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We are your agricultural education resource across the web sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Alpellets crew is Kate Shoulders, Marshall Baker, Mike Ritalik, and Brian Myers. Amanda Bowling, welcome to Alpellets. Oh, thank you guys for having me. We are so glad to have you. If people can hear noise in my background, I am being the annoying Floridian recording this on my back porch while my good friends and colleagues are buried in snow and ice and negative temperatures. And so this is basically just a recruitment to come come to Florida, basically, you know. If if all you hear is crickets, it's because we're not talking to Brian anymore. <laughs> I need better friends. Uh, Amanda, save us here. What do we tell us a little bit about yourself first off, I guess? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm Dr. Amanda Bowling. I'm an assistant professor of agri-science education at the Ohio State University. Um, I work with our pre-service teachers. I work with our in-service teachers around professional development. Um, and my research focuses a lot on um, how do we develop youth through motivation, effective teaching strategies, and then our academic competitions within agri-science education. Exciting stuff. I mean, and I am very excited about today's topic and what you're going to be leading us through today. So why don't you give us all kind of a snapshot of the day's topic and then we'll get into it. Yes, so we're going to talk about um, some of the research that I have done along with Dr. Anna Ball, who uh, unfortunately couldn't join us today, um, but uh, we're looking at and have investigated the processes that our ag teachers use when they're preparing their CDE teams. And what does that process look like? It's going to be different a little bit for, for everybody, uh, but if we can put it into a model or if we can get it into a, kind of an identified process, what does that look like? And so I can um, go ahead and jump into a little bit of the uh, kind of the background of the research. I'm not going to get way muddy into all the methodologies, but I do want to give um, the listeners a little bit of an idea of how we set up the study so they can kind of wrap their brains around where this information came from. So Dr. Annabal and I um, identified uh, what we called um, previously successful career development event coaches and, and our agri-science uh, agri teachers. And um, why we identified them as, as uh, kind of previously being successful was we knew that they had a track record of motivating students, of educating students, um, and at competing. And so we knew if we explored these individuals, they would be able to help us see this process. And this process it isn't just for individuals that are successful. This process can be applied um, for new teachers, for pre-service teachers as they're thinking about um, working with career development events as they begin student teaching. 
Um, but we kind of identified those folks as having um, the previous experience that could help us unpack what, the, what this process really looked like. And so we um, observed and interviewed these teachers as they were preparing teams for the district competition. And this was a qualifying competition in order to go to the state um, career development event. And we also observed them between districts and state to see if there was any change um, from that. And we really didn't see a difference. It was... Um, we saw a difference kind of from the beginning of season to end, but from districts to state, we didn't really see that. But what we truly tried to do was try to identify that preparation process. Is it instructional based? Is it coaching? Is it motivation? Is it a combination of all those? And so that's really what the research, um, how the research was conducted and what it was looking at. Very cool. I bet all of our listeners, all the teachers out there got their pen and paper out because you're going to give them all the secrets, right, on how to train these great teams and, and that gets us motivated. But the thing I like about too, you talk here a little bit about how this is all educational and what, it, what, what we're trying to do with these, these uh, events. So what's the secret sauce here? What do we find? What's the big, what's the big, the big uh, answer here for all these teachers? And I think that's the interesting piece of it. I don't know that there is this unveiling secret. I, we didn't find, um, you know, the, some kind of lost ark <laughs> that we had to go in deep into caves to get. Um, what we found though, is we were able to codify the process. We were able to say, this is what is going on in the process. And um, when we looked at it, it all came down to what the teachers were doing, what these strategies were. And thinking about the purpose of career development events, what really came down and what these teachers were really emphasizing were instructional strategies. They were high quality, well-planned, you could almost call them lessons. They, they, there's practices mirrored a lot of what they did in the classroom. And the big piece of it was, is that they were structured, they were planned. Those teachers had a sense of what they were doing, much like they would plan for uh, a lesson on teaching grafting in a greenhouse. They had a plan and they were gonna tackle that plan with the students. The interesting piece of this instructional process though, is they truly acknowledge the knowledge and growth of the students from kind of this rote to advanced knowledge. And as the students advanced, they gave the students more autonomy. They gave them more choice. They, had, they actually had the students as they became more advanced in their knowledge level choose what they needed to do in practice for that day. And that allowed the students to kind of identify where their misconceptions were, where their gaps in knowledge were, um, where they felt their strong suits were, and that the students actually started to cater their practices towards the end. But above just being planned and task-oriented and kind of that, um, scaffolding experience for the students. Otherwise it was just really good teaching. They were chunking. So if they were teaching um, 
oaks. They would chunk all the oak trees together for their forestry team. And they would talk through, okay, so this, these, this is your oak family. This is how you identify if it's an oak or not. And then after they chunked that knowledge, they went deeper into um, uh, what tree specifics were. So they would chunk like knowledge and then they would dive in. And they would also really hone in on developing metacognitive strategies with the students. If there's one takeaway, if there's one piece, and this is what I tell our pre-service teachers, whether they're coaching CDE teams, whether they're teaching in the classroom, whether they're in a, a laboratory, ask your students why. So if you're in a forestry practice and you walk up to an oak, a red oak, and that student says, oh yeah, that's a red oak. Don't let it pass at that. Ask them why. Force them to explain back to you why it is a red oak. Make them defend their answers. And that encourages that metacognitive process as they're thinking about, well, how did I learn that? How do I know that? And that just enhances and strengthens the learning that they're doing. So that's kind of the instructional strategy piece. And that's what the teachers emphasized more than anything else. Then we come over to kind of this coaching or the motivational side. And while they're teaching, they're coaching. And it is a cyclical process that they are motivating and instructing at the exact same time. They encourage their students to monitor their progress. Uh, so you talk about students stalking judging card. They encourage that. But it wasn't in a detrimental compare yourself to others. It was where were you at last context and where has your learning grown? Um, they focused on providing feedback to the students and positive feedback was really what they focused on. Um, they also had students set goals at the very beginning. And the key to that and this research along with other goal setting research says those goals need to be written and they need to be in a place where the students see them constantly. Uh, so a lot of the, the teams would have binders. Those goals were front page of their binders. So every time they opened up that binder or opened up a tote or however they maintain their materials, those goals were right there with them. And the teachers used the goals to either encourage the students to study and learn more or maybe they, if the students just didn't have the time to put in, maybe they adjusted the goals to make them a little bit more realistic. So the students were still being successful at whatever level of success they defined. And that's another important piece of that is it's student-defined success. The teachers never said, hey, I need you to do this, or I need you to win this. It was always student-driven. Um, and they focused a lot on building relationships with the students and they focused a lot on having some strategic team structure. So um, that was having six to seven students on the team before they cut the team down to the four that could compete at the district level. They encouraged um, friendly team competition amongst the students. So one of the one of the nuggets, and I'm going to ask Amanda about this in a little bit. That's an overarching thing that I think is an important element of all of this is um, how teachers conceptualize and, and define success. Um, and 
I hope she has a chance to really uh, talk to us a little bit about that because I, I think it reinforces some of the things that I've observed over time when it, when it comes to um, ag teachers who are coaching FFA teams and CDEs and those kind of things is that, you know, what is that prize and what's the ultimate goal? And when you put, when you put the target on as winning, um, those pro people probably aren't as successful as those that have targets on other things and the winning happens as a result of the, the focus on other things. So Amanda, maybe you can speak to that and I'm sure that kind of ties in a little bit with the direction that you were going, but I think that's an important thing of, of that paradigm in which the, the teachers really think about the role and the impact of CDEs and, and, and what the purpose really is. Yep, yeah, that would lead me into the next step of our model. So yes, that would be awesome. Um, I'm just gonna pick back up for you guys to edit back with the strategic team structure if that would work. Okay, so just knowing how editing and podcasting works, I was figuring I could find a good place. Um, uh, so beyond relationship building, what we saw is that they would create kind of these strategic team structures where they would, um, encourage you know, six to seven students to participate, uh, but then would have to cut down to the um, required number for the district or state competition. But that just kind of encouraged more students to participate, more students to learn, um, but it did kind of increase that internal Mo uh, motivation and competition within the team. They would also encourage little fun competitions um, amongst the team members. It was never aggressive, never derogatory towards any students. It was just little fun things for a bag of chips or a, a can of soda, um, you know, just kind of increasing that little bit of, of fun competition amongst the teams. Um, but that's really what we saw was this kind of unique cyclical teaching, you know, we teach, we motivate, we teach, we motivate, and just using really high quality teaching strategies in that process. So I think one of the things that uh, I really like about uh, the model and, and some of the findings that you had is it was related to some of the teacher um, expectations and how the, what their paradigm is for student success and how they define and, and quality qualify that. And I think it reinforces some of the things that I've seen over time with some of our teachers that are really highly successful in the programs that are highly successful is that the focus isn't necessarily always on winning. The focus is on other things, student learning and, and uh, the process in which they go. And I think that the strategies you provide are, are excellent. But can you speak a little bit to the um, how, how teachers in the groups that you were um, interviewing really focus on conceptualizing success? Uh, yes, and, and that was one of our major findings was how they um, talked about the outcomes they wanted their students to experience. And it so it wasn't just the process, it was what am I doing to get the students to these outcomes? And I would quote one of our participants in saying, it's never about winning. I never tell the students they have to win. If, if it comes to that, I will quit. And I think that's the, the power of, of how these, how these teachers perceive success. It's, it's not about winning. And these are individuals that we identified as successful because they placed uh, fairly high at state competitions. But for them, it's never about that. It's not the plaques, it's not the jackets, it's not the scholarships. 
um, in the sense of it's not those external awards. They're not wanting that. Um, they are wanting um, the experience for the students, the knowledge for their students. I mean, they, the top thing, the top outcome that they identified when we talked to them was knowledge and skill development. And not necessarily just the career skills, but the life skills, the soft skills, those 21st century skills that come from working with a team, that come from having, um, having competition that is not um, overly aggressive and, and, not, and not negatively posed at others. Um, that was the biggest thing they talked about is the knowledge level that students walk away from if they are motivated and engaged in a career development event. They talk about that their students are, are achieving this idea of competitive greatness, that they want to be the best, but not beat other individuals. It's being better than you were the day before. It is about lifting your team up. It is that um, uh, having support for those around you because you understand that if they're better, you're better. Um, it was um, getting students new growth experiences, getting them to travel, getting them to uh, eat at restaurants they never eat at, travel um, to places they've never been. Uh, it's new friendships, whether that's on the team or whether that's with the other teams they're competing with. It's just all of those kind of new um, experiences. And one of the one of the outcomes I think they hit really hard was career development events can provide students avenues to be successful where they've never maybe experienced success before. You don't have to be the star quarterback. You don't have to be um, student council president to be successful in a career development event. And so it is allowing students to define success and then allowing those students to achieve success that maybe have never experienced that before. And those were the outcomes. Out of all these, out of all the successful teachers we talked to, out of numerous state championships and top three placings, it was never about that. It was all about what the students are getting out of it. Well, and that's so exciting. It reminds me of a, of a podcast we did I don't know, Mike, however many years ago, we talk about competition as a motivator and how that really, we're not, we're finding that that's not really a strong thing, especially whether they call it generational or just call it whatever it is. It sounds like when you're, you know, they're competing against themselves, trying to reach those goals more. So when you, when you make it, oh, we got, we got to go beat that other school or that other chapter or that other person, whatever it is, that can actually be a hindrance to their, or, or at least we're finding it not to be as motivating uh, for students now or the students you talk to. Yeah, it was definitely, I, I think competition was there, but it was all based around friendly competition and around professionalism and how you maintain yourself to be a competitor who doesn't look down upon or doesn't necessarily compete against everyone else. It was a really unique way that I think our, our um, ag teachers are looking at supporting competition. 
certainly from a, I would, I would suspect and anticipate from a mental health standpoint, it's certainly a, a much healthier approach and healthier competition when you're, you're competing against yourself um, and your own growth and improvement rather than worrying about who is next to you and how well they're doing and are you doing better than them or, or not as good as them and, and just focusing on yourself and your own personal growth and development. The other thing I found really exciting with all this is, again, going back to a well-planned kind of instructional strategy and preparing the, these teachers. Because I know so many times um, early career teachers or even mid-career or late-career teachers are like, well, how do I train a team? Or how do I, they feel like they have to completely shift their persona and need this entirely new set of skills to prepare uh, competitions. And what you're telling us here is, those same skills that make them effective in the classroom and working with the students there are also the same skills that can transfer into uh, this setting of, of preparing CDE teams. That, that's pretty exciting. Did they see how that moved back and forth? Were they aware of that, I guess? Yes, and, and I would mention that when we were observing these teams, we observed in a variety of settings. Um, so I know that when you talk about preparing career development of event teams, there's varying philosophies around how and why we should do it, right? There are folks that, well, it's tied directly to the curriculum. If they're in this, if they're in class X, that means they're going to compete in class Y. There are folks that are, well, I, I want the students to pick because that's where their interests are. There are folks that say, well, I only prepare them after school or I only prepare them during class. And so we uh, we sought out folks that kind of had a variety of um, philosophies around it. We also sought out folks that prepared them in different ways. So we were in classes during class time observing. We were after school. We were before school. Um, and so regardless of the context for which they were preparing, that looked the same. So whether it was in the classroom during class time or whether it was afterwards, it, it, it was just high quality teaching. And we had some individuals talk about that. I really don't change much from how I teach in the classroom to how I prepare my, uh, how I prepare my career development event teams. What does change is since it's a smaller setting, you get to do a little bit more of that coaching motivation. You get to, you know, before and after school, you drop your guard just a little bit and you get to build those relationships even more. Uh, so they acknowledge that really the, the teaching aspect doesn't change. What does change is how I'm motivating and building relationships with those students. I think that's great. And, you know, I, we talk about ag education and the, the three components. And, uh, you know, if you approach it from this perspective, it, it truly does feel and look like an extension of the classroom. And I think that that's a win-win. And you see those those circles continuing to overlap even more and more when we when we do it intentionally from that standpoint. Well, Amanda, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Uh, you and Anna did, a, did some phenomenal research, very, very applicable to our teachers and FFA advisors out there. I hope you all uh, were hearing what these great faculty members uh, did for us and, and shared with the profession and are able to apply this in your own classrooms as you're preparing your own FFA uh, CDE teams and also working in your classroom and what you're doing on, on the importance of, of those important instructional strategies 
as well as uh, the motivation and find ways to really connect with in that coaching particular coaching model that you talked about there. So thank you so much for being with us here today on Outpellets. Well, thank you all for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Outpellets. Please visit our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Socialize with us by following Outpellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can join the conversation by adding your thoughts in the comments and sharing the podcast with others. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we'll look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.